You're listening to the Mind Your Business Podcast. Today, we're talking focus, goal setting, goal accomplishing, and running an eight-figure company featuring my good buddy, Noah Kagan. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm James Wedmore, and I've built a multiple seven-figure internet business that offers the financial freedom to do what I want, when I want. And I'm the first to say that hard work and hustle are not essential ingredients for your success. So how do you build a thriving business from the inside out? Now with over 800,000 downloads, this is the Mind Your Business Podcast. All right, all right, all right. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, James Wedmore here. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Mind Your Business Podcast. I've got a very special episode here for you today because I just interviewed none other than Noah Kagan. And it was an awesome interview. We just, we actually were just chatting before the start of the call. And so we just decided to hit record and, you know, I'll, I'll do Noah's official bio in a moment, but he's the man behind sumo.com and appsumo.com, both eight figure companies. And to have just a like real raw conversation about what he's doing, what's working, where he puts his time, his energy, his focus, his thoughts, his behavior, all of that was so good. Was there one specific topic that we discussed? No, it was all over the place. We talked about, you know, things like self-care and, you know, how much we work and what we do in our free time to staying motivated and inspired and how to stay relevant long-term in a marketplace to creating better goals for yourself and within your company. And of course, what it really takes to run a successful seven or eight figure company. All that and more in this very special interview with none other than Noah Kagan. So who exactly is Noah? So if you didn't know, Noah was employee number 30 at Facebook, reporting directly to Mr. Mark Zuckerberg himself. And he was number four at mint.com. But he's also the man today behind AppSumo, which is the group on for geeks, and of course, sumo.com. And he also runs a podcast, Noah Kagan Presents, which you can go ahead and check it out on iTunes. Highly recommend it. And he's just a wicked smart guy. So without further ado, let's get into today's interview. We're talking about hard work and, and the right plan. Well, I think it's more about getting results and everyone has outcomes in life they want. And what I always find fascinating is everyone's like, oh, I'm so busy. Yeah. And I'm like, why don't you ever get anything done then? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you're so busy. And you know when you get off the phone with someone, next time notice this. This is one of my favorite things. Hey, man, yeah, I got to go. Oh, yeah, yeah, man, I got to go too. I'm like, <laughs> okay, I got it. You, you win. You're busier than I am. You get the points. You, you know what I always say, and people call me on this, I say, well, I'm going to let you go now. Oh, I hate that. <laughs> they do. I never Every, do that. No, no one no, likes I, when I say that. No one. No, I read uh, Benjamin Franklin's book, and that was one of the big things in his book was, you know, don't make excuses for yourself. Mm. And he said, you know, what, that, I think your example is spot on. Exactly that. Yeah. Uh, I know you're busy. Like when people say that to me, I'm like, I'm really not that busy. Right. Yeah. You, like, think, you think, you know, yeah. Yeah. But so coming back to getting results, what, the original thing, what I've noticed about results is that People are either, to get results, it's just a very simple formula. It's like, do you have the right blueprint for what you want to accomplish, and are you putting in the work? Yes. And everyone wants so much more stuff. They want another nugget to magically get there. And I, I do it, too. I buy books and courses and go to stuff, and I'm hoping that next thing will really solve it or save me. 
And it's like, all right, you probably have the right blueprint already. Am I putting in the work? I'm like, no. So either make sure you have the right blueprint or make sure you're putting in a, a lot of freaking work. And generally, you will get the results you want, I think, with whatever people want to do. You even ask, like, well, how do we know we have the right blueprint? I feel like people automatically think the more complicated or sophisticated the blueprint, the better it is. And then, of course, we end up overcomplicating it <laughs> and probably never even <laughs> completing it because it's now it's too complicated. I'm always trying to simplify. I see so how, how often I'll find myself overcomplicating something and you just have to like strip it away. Well, it's funny. I think two things I've noticed that about starting businesses and also with our own business. With our own business, we had AppSumo. We have AppSumo. It's a group on for geeks and we've been running it man, seven years now. And the reality is like we tried all these gimmicks. We tried like all these deal, special deals. We tried like dollar deals and all these things. And then one day we're, I was like, why don't we just go back to promoting only when we have a good product once or twice a week? Hmm. And we did that about three years ago. We stopped. We were doing seven deals a day, seven deals a week, every day, a deal, more emails, more special shit. And when we went back to the basics of stuff and we just promoted once we had a great deal, the business in the past three years has tripled. Wow. And there's something there. I think my friend Adam Gilbert from my body tutor always talks about it. He's like, most successful people stop doing what made them successful. Wow. Yeah. So and true. I love that line. And I've said it tons of times and I love when he says it because it's like, hey, what used to work? How much are you doing of that anymore? <laughs> Not. Okay, just go do that and you'll be fine. And <laughs> why, why do you think we do that, though? Because I find myself doing that. We do because we get bored. Yeah. Because you've done it and you're like, oh, well, there's got to be something else. And I think we another thing I noticed with starting our more running businesses is we think we've tapped out of something when we've probably barely scratched the surface. Totally. And it's more stimulating to do something new. It's yeah. more stimulating and it's more exciting. It's novelty. We're all, I said this to my business partner. This is a funny thing I've said to them. This is like, I don't know, three years ago. And I said, Chad, you know, I love starting new things. I love promoting things. I love getting stuff going. You know, how do you like doing all the boring stuff and like maintaining and sustaining the things I start? Yeah. <laughs> and so Chad comes and Chad's the developer and he's the, you know, my business partner, one of my best friends. And Chad said, Dude, I fucking hate that stuff. You know, you think I like the boring stuff too? I love novelty. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I, I think the, the realization is that we all kind of want it. And so you have to, my ex-girlfriend in high school said it, and I, and I think it's a good slogan. You have to figure out how to make it fun. Totally. And so you have to kind of come back to like, well, what parts were fun that you can kind of just revisit and, and reinvent and what parts are not fun that someone else finds fun and I, really let them go do that stuff. I think that's so important. We really have to find a way to make a game out of, out of the things that have become so routine. So like, you know, I've been there, done that. And Oh man. Yeah. I almost feel like that's the curse of the entrepreneur. It's like, I feel like entrepreneurs are up for this new challenge to like, they're all about new possibilities. Like, let's, I want to see if I can do this. I want to see if this thing can actually work. And then it's like, almost like, Oh, I did that. Now what? <laughs> On to the well, next I, thing. I, and in terms of pattern matching, you know, and we talk about starting businesses and the same mistake that people make with making things too complicated. But with pattern matching, you have to look at, you know, if you're trying to be really successful and, and however people want to define that, but look at the people who have created, you know, the Uber success, like the ultra successful companies. And one of the common themes around them is that, think about it, how long did they take? So like name a company, Google, Facebook, Microsoft, Amazon, I don't know, Dell, name any of them. How long have they been around? Yeah. You're like uh, 15 years minimum. Amazon, people are like, wow, Jeff Bezos is rich. Yeah, he's been doing this for 20 years. So pick one thing, do it for 20 years, work every week, and you'll probably get whatever the fuck you want out of that. Can I swear? 
<laughs> this is PG thirteen. You could frick whatever you're, you want. You're, out. Like, yeah, you're good. We'll sen- we'll censor it for the kids. All right. But yeah, for you know twenty, if you work hard for twenty years, you'll get whatever you want. And I think that's the that's where it separates a lot of people who are going to these next levels of success versus people you know even including myself at times where we're starting over again. We're like, oh well, this next new thing is going to be the real thing. Yeah. When in reality, if whatever you already had that was kind of working, if you just stick with that twenty years, you'll be fine. I think the underlying principle is is even more fascinating, which is these guys are already so rich but they're still working when so many other people that listen or look at our stuff and say, Oh, I want to be rich. And then, so I don't have to work anymore. But there's something interesting when the guys who are worth the most in the world still go to work every day. Right. So I don't know. That's kind of some food for thought. I try to just think about for myself, which is, you know, what problems am I personally interested in? And there's really a never end solution. There's a great quote I saw recently. It was like, everyone wants to start a business, but no one focuses on solving problems. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I want to start a yeah. business. Yeah, that's fascinating. And didn't I hear, isn't, isn't Jeff now, was he the richest man in the world now? Is that what just happened? Yeah, yeah. Nah, dude, he, I mean, he earned it, built yeah. it from nothing. So just so. stick at it for 20 years, and there's the, there's the secret. You know what, what's interesting about Jeff, no one hates him. <laughs> I feel like when Bill Gates was like crazy rich, everyone hated him. I remember there was and, some like prankster that like threw a pie in his face and it was like a yeah. big deal. Like no one was ever like, I'm happy he's super rich. Yeah. But with Jeff, you know, it seems like he played by the rules. He played aggressive. He's very clear. One of my uh, favorite things, I did this three months ago. I read every one of his shareholder meetings. No way. If you go read his annual reports, well, think about it. Like we all want to learn from someone. And nowadays, every piece of information is out there. Like Jeff has literally hundreds of hours on YouTube. Yeah, you watch his, his uh, YouTube videos, don't you? Yeah, I watch his YouTube videos. I read his Sherald reports. And you could start seeing how he thinks about things. Yeah. And then you could start thinking about like, all right, well, how can I apply some of that for my business? And, you know, I'm not, I can't say I'm perfect at it, but, you know, trying to learn and grow. Well, you wonder if everyone loves him because I don't, I don't think there's anyone that doesn't love Amazon. Like I've never, I mean, I've never heard anyone really say a bad thing about, yeah. about Amazon. Like Apple, I've definitely heard people, oh, you Apple, and I don't know, who knows. But yeah, you don't really hear of many, something as universal. Yeah. That's a good point. I never thought of that. Yeah. I mean, I love everything. about Like now, that, like Prime Now, that's like my favorite. I don't, I'll pay the $10 tip or whatever to get something that straight to my door in two hours. Like totally worth it. Well, it is interesting because if you think about how they run their business and you start reflecting on it. Like, so for example, two days ago, I had to return something and it was two days outside their refund window. Mm. And I just had a chat and I said, hey, I'm a customer. Can you help me? And, you know, you expect it to be this battle where you get out like your lawyer. I'm like, I called my lawyer over. <laughs> but it's, know, like, but it was like a $20 purchase. Yeah, it was a pogo stick. Oh, OK. You were returning Seriously. it. It, was, it didn't have enough vertical height for you. Not enough jump. And so, <laughs> you know, they're like, dude, it's fine. Got it. We'll take care of it. I'm wow. like, oh, really? And so like, I put away the weapons. I tell the lawyer to go home. I have to pay his <laughs> bill. But, long, you know, and you think about it, you're like, and I was able to do that within a minute. I literally got on there, had a chat, messaged the chat. They responded. Resolved. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is the biggest company in the world. And you're like this, you know, we talk about fundamentals and doing the things that got them there. This is what helped get them there. Totally. So, uh, you know, go explore and experiment. At least what I'm trying to remind myself, the best companies and the most ones we admire and see what we can learn and reflect from those. This is great advice. And the fact that there's so many people out there just like putting themselves out there on social media. I think it's easier now more than ever just to model those. And well, I think that's also interesting. I think a lot of these people don't put themselves out there when they do it's very intentional hmm. see a lot of us spend our days like including myself i'm you know i'm guilty like we're blogging or podcasting or youtube whatever it is and i don't think any of them are bad i just think it's more about what's the goal that you're really on this earth to do yeah. and then how much of your time are you allocating towards that 
Yeah. Well, like, you're I don't see- you're really putting yourself out there right now. You've got both the podcast, Noah Kagan Presents, and a YouTube channel. And you're doing both at the same time. Yeah, dude. I've actually pulled back on all of it. Oh, you have? Up. Yeah. It's been an interesting year. My business partner took over running Sumo.com, our marketing software. Mm-hmm. And then we have another guy, Eamon, who runs AppSumo.com, our, our group on for geeks. And... I was like, well, these are going well. You know, why don't I go focus on what I'm interested in, which is podcasts, man. Like talking with you and or meeting certain people and talking with them gives me an, an insane amount of energy. And I think that's how people should think about where they work and what like who they spend time with. Like, where's your energy? Yeah. And so in the beginning of the year, you know, we talk about focus. I think we talked about that a little bit earlier. As like, the beginning of the year, I was like, I'm just going to do a podcast. And, and the way I've always run my businesses, and I learned this from Mark at Facebook, was what's the goal for this year? And so my goal was like, how do I get 100,000 downloads on my podcast? And that's all I care about. And what's fascinating, and this is, is something I'm sure a lot of people can relate to when they start a business, is I started adding things. I said, well, well, I'm doing the podcast, and my, it's pretty easy to do YouTube. And I started doing YouTube. Well, I'm doing the YouTube, might as well do blog. <laughs> I'm doing the blog. Well, I need this software for my blog, might as well do this software. And then, I, you know, Sumo needs help with recruiting, so I'm going to build recruiting software. And then Chrome is interesting, so let me buy a Chrome extension. And, you know, when it all came to it, I had like seven different things running. Yeah. And they were all just doing okay. And, you know, I took time to think about I can do all this stuff good or I can do a few things great. And I had this moment of clarity where I was like, dude, the number one priority in my, in my life is sumo. It's like mm-hmm. I want to help. You know, I like seeing people promote themselves. I like seeing cool things get known. So let me go focus on that. And I have 20 percent of my time to focus on my personal stuff. And I can't do all this, these different things. So let me just do the podcast. And the problem with a lot of it, I'm, I'm sure you can you probably have similar stories where it's really hard in business to give up. It's really hard to, to say, well, I'm not going to serve this customer, especially if you're trying to grow a business. You're like, well, I want their money. And it's a hard thing. So what I did to kind of alleviate that, at least on my personal projects, was say, okay, I'm only going to do the podcast for three months. And I'm only going to do one day a week dedicated to that. That's my 20% time. And every other thing will be sumo. Hmm. And if I have like, and so I hired people to think about the other stuff or I just killed it completely. So Brandon does only YouTube. And I, I mean, I really love the guy and we'll hang out some of the time, but really I'm like, if it's not about the podcast on my personal stuff, I don't really want to talk about it. But for and, the YouTube, but the YouTube, you're you still have to show up for recording, yeah. I mean, like, yes. How's that working? Well, so the way we're transitioning it, so I don't have to spend that much time on it, is that now all I do is say I do a podcast chat with you or I chat with someone else, like talking with an author tomorrow. I'll take the main things I took away from his hanging out, and I'll make that the video. Got it. Yeah. So, so you're just leveraging is, the content. Yeah, I, I call it content multiplication. So instead of always, and I think that's kind of similar with business, we want to reinvent the wheel, a new podcast, a new video, a new, new this. I'm like, no, 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 just, I have a podcast. It's great. Now I take that podcast. What did I learn? I make a video about it. And then from that, there's a guy who writes an article about it and that we put on our blog and then another guy that goes and promotes it. And I don't touch any of it. It is not to brag like, oh, I'm so hands off. It's more of like, I'm only focused on the things I'm really great at and that are very important to me. Got it. So a couple questions here, just to unpack this a bit. Do you have yeah, go for it. Do you have a framework for how you prioritize? Because I think it's so easy for us to get almost like overambitious, like the, you know, like the fat kid at the buffet where uh, you say, I want this, I want this, I want, oh, and I want that. How did you yeah. get back from seven things down to one? So on my personal projects, I had all those things I mentioned. Yeah. And yeah, if you haven't read Greg McCown's book, Essentialism, like I highly, know. highly recommend Mm-hmm. And his book, and I, I did a show with him, but his book is the exact message is what's the main thing that's really important. And same with Marie Kondo's book. I don't know if you've read that, which is Life-Changing Art of Tidying Up, which is a phenomenal book. Okay, side and, note, I hate that book, 
more than oh, anything. Yes. Okay, we'll get into a fight about this. Good. Good. Need some controversy. <laughs> um, no. So I read his book and I thought about it and I said, you know, no, you can't do all of these great. Mm-hmm. And the re- the reality that is pretty interesting about it is that if I did any of them and I just picked one and only did that for three months or six months or twelve months, and I just say I'm going to give up everything else just for this period of time and see how it goes, it would probably work. But because I'm not doing it to any of them, almost none of them are doing really well. Mm-hmm. And so in terms of prioritizing it, I said, well, what did you commit to at the beginning of the year? I committed to the podcast. What do you really enjoy? I enjoyed the podcast the most. That's what I really enjoyed. So let's just focus on that only for three months and ignore everything else. Let me give another example because I think people will still want to try to think through how to prioritize things. So for sumo.com, we have our marketing and we're trying to double the amount of customers that we have in the next five months. And I came back to run marketing and what I did was I said, well, what are the different channels that we get? Like for last month's customers, we have, you know, let's say 20,000 customers, whatever it is, or signups. Mm-hmm. Where did that come from? And I just made a list of it. And then I said, all right, well, in the next five months, which ones seem like the biggest opportunity to actually get that? And the number one glare, it was just like, it was producing the most of them was content. So the blog. Yeah. And I was like, all right, well, why do we doing, we're doing all these different things. Let's just focus on the one that's working the best. And so that was like number one. And so my time right now is like, let's get the content machine working. And then I can go to number two, which I believe would be partnerships. And then it's like, I just go one by one through what I believe is the biggest opportunity. The way that you know if you're prioritizing, this is a thing I actually realized very clearly this morning. I was working with someone and he said, hey, I'm going to go do this thing right here. And I said, well, does that help us get for the blog? They have to get half a million visitors by December because that'll tie to the customer goal. And I said, well, does that help you get the 500,000? Or does that help you get our main goal? And they're like, no. I was like, well, you don't do it. Hmm. And the point there is that if you're saying no, you're focused (laughs) and you're prioritizing things. When you're saying yes, you have no focus and you're not prioritizing things. And it was just kind of an interesting reminder for myself, like, oh, I'm saying no because I know the things that matter most and I'm saying no to the things that don't. So kind of an interesting test that you can do as uh, as you're doing a bunch of things and working on stuff. I love this. And do you see the overlap or the leverage of like, you know, you're mentioning sumo.com here, like does doing the podcast and creating more content, do you see the correlation that what that will do to double your numbers with sumo.com? No, not really. So they are like two like separate silo goals or priorities. You know, my primary is the business because that's my foundation. And then the business gives me the opportunity to do my personal interest stuff, which is my like one day a week. So the way I've structured my calendar, I scheduled this before I got back from Israel, I believe. But now I basically have Fridays and sometimes Thursdays, but mostly Fridays are like, that's my personal day, my one day a week. And so I think that's a good way, kind of model for anyone out there. It's like, all right, if you have a, your business or you're working at a company, four days a week, work hardcore on the main thing that you're responsible for. And if you have like this dying itch to try something new, just commit. You can have one day a week for it. That's it. Mm. So that's worked well for me. I think what actually has been fascinating, James, is I've been really focused on the podcast and YouTube stuff the first half of the year. But coming back and actually two things are interesting, but the main thing is coming back and actually having to create software and work in a team and not just be talking about it. I realize how much I'm growing and learning versus just kind of making a show about that stuff of the stuff I used to learn. Right. It's it's that mu- sense? it's much more practical, applicable and like in the trenches, like inspired experience. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, part of it, it sounds silly and it's hypocritical, but like if you're busy working and making the product and making the marketing, you're probably not out actually just talking about it. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm not busy. You know, you're not busy tweeting or writing blog posts all day about it. You're probably like, how do I get my customers happier? How do I get this type of marketing happen? How do we hire this person? Yeah. Some of the challenges of business, which, you know, actually for my one day a week, it gives me amazing material in my podcast as well as to create videos around. Totally. Okay. So if I might ask, have you hit your 100K goal yet with the podcast? Not even close. Really? Okay. So then <laughs> like, that's, that's my question I have for you is because we had to do this recently. Do you pivot? What do you do when you feel like maybe you don't, you're not on track? Maybe you are on track for the end of the year, but what do you do in a case where you're, where you don't feel like you're on track with your goals? Yeah. So let me give you two stories around that because I think it'll, it'll help show it. What I do is I have a goal for the year and this is what we've done in every single business, every single thing I've been a part of. And so for the podcast, it's a hundred thousand. And so what most people don't do is they don't pick a very clear measurable goal. Like I talked to my friend Charlie and he said, I want to really help people this year. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, but how do you know if you're helping people? Like it doesn't even have to be money. It could be like they create a certain type of business or they create a certain whatever. I don't care. Yeah. But you need to have something that you can actually like say yes or no. Am I going towards this or not? Right. And so once you have that, then I break it out by month. So every month I have like well, if it's 100,000 December, like how many do I think I need each month or can get? And then I below that, I say, well, where is that going to come from? And so sometimes when your day sucks, it's okay because you're looking at a monthly view and you're like, well, actually on a monthly view, I'm on track. So for the podcast, we need to be in July at around 36,000 downloads a show after like four weeks trailing. And we're more or less on track for that. So I'm not sweating it. Mm -hmm. If it was crazy under, it'd be like, all right, well, what are we going to do about that? And then you have to actually start prioritizing. Well, what else can we try out? Is there things that are working that we can do more of? So the biggest thing there is don't confuse your micro vision versus your macro vision. Make sure if you're at a macro, if you're at, on track, you're fine. Yeah. But let me give you a counter example of that. So for the podcast specifically to answer your question, like if you are off track for your business or for me at the show, if it was like significantly off track, I would be working with the team to be like, all right, well, what can we do to 10x? Well, not 10x, but probably like 2x or whatever difference we are. Like what are things we can add to actually fix it? I think people generally just do it in the rear view mirror. They're like, hey, we're missing it. All right, cool. I guess we'll keep missing it. It's like, no, what the hell are you going to do about it? <laughs> yes. Yeah. They're like, oh, cool. That's a car wreck. That's a nice accident. But I do think there's times where you have to, you know, revisit your goal. So yeah. when we launched Sumo.com, it was totally free. And then our first year, we're like, the first year we wanted to charge, we thought we'd make $10 million that year. And after the first three weeks of starting ch to charge, I think we made $4,000. Hmm. Little, <laughs> little off there. Yeah. <laughs> just a smidge. <laughs> and so we're a little off track on that. And, you know, it's like, dude, there is, I think a goal should be just out of reach because what happens is it shouldn't be too, so far to reach that it's just not possible. Cause I think about for myself, like what am I most proud of in my life? And I think if you think about it and I want your answer, like, what are you really proud of that you've done? <sighs> I think the number one thing I'm most proud of is the team and the company culture that I've fostered within the business. How hard was that? It was the most challenging thing I've ever done, which is why I think it's immediately what comes to mind is the most proud thing I've ever done. I think there's something interesting. Everyone, once you start reflecting on like what you're really proud of, you're like, oh, it's all about the things I wanted. I wanted it. And I worked really, really hard on it. And I didn't so give I up. I, I kept, yeah, I persevered. Yeah, going. totally, man. Yeah. And, you know, with the podcast, yeah, it seems hard. So I'm like, got to work on it. It's not gonna be easy. What I'll is the hardest? What's the what seems the hardest for you? The podcast actually is, you know, I think the thing I'm trying to balance off is that uh, some of my goals are generally yearly goals, what I pick. So I'm also trying to think about not just hitting a yearly goal, but sustaining it. Because I have had a goal with okdork.com, my blog in the past around marketing, yeah. that I was like, I want to get 100,000 email subscribers. 
This is in 2013. And in November, after working all year really hard, I hit my goal. And then I didn't write for another year after that. I gave up. After mm-hmm. I was so burnt out. Yeah. I was like, all right, I'm done with this because I hit my goal. I'm good. But that kind of defeats the point. And so it's like, all right, well, how do you create things that are sustainable? Yes. So it doesn't make if you sprint the race and then you're exhausted, like that's not to me, that's not really a great accomplishment. I want to create something that I'm like super excited to continually evolve and work on. So I'm actually I don't know if I'd be even super depressed if I don't hit my goal completely. But it's more I want to figure out how can I do this hit 100,000 this year and then maybe 200,000 next year. And if it's a little off, okay, don't kill yourself. Life's not going to end. But coming back to the business one, I said, we did 4,000 or so in our first few weeks. And I was like, it's just unrealistic. Like if there's not, it's not even realistic we'll accomplish it at the end of the year. So we revisited it and we set our goal at a million and it was hard. Not too hard. Probably could have been a little bit harder. And then we ended up hitting it sometime October, November of that year. Yeah. We just had to revisit our goal for our podcast downloads. I just, tell me. I just create, like we, I didn't do like for the year I did total. So the podcast is like about 18 months old now. So I just created this crazy, ridiculous goal. It's like 2 million downloads. I think when I created it, we were at $400,000. So it was a big one. And we had to, we had to revisit because we weren't anywhere close. We just passed. We're just about 900 right now. And we dropped it considerably down. And the number one reason why we did it, I'm so glad we did, is that my team... So we have someone in place just to manage the podcast and the marketing around it. They... Like it really started to feel like the wind had been knocked out of their sails. Like they were kind of powerless to this, to the project because they, it was almost like, it doesn't matter what I'm going to do. We're not going to hit our goal. And you know, for me personally, that's never really been an issue. Like I have no problem with like creating ridiculously sized goals and coming up like a fraction of what I originally set out to do. But I see the importance of it is with your team and finding that thing that is like realistic, but challenging. It was just like such a far stretch that there's like, there's no plan that we could even fathom that would get us there. So did you just change your plan to hit the target that you would hit regardless? Or did you say, all right, well, we're still going to have to be creative and, and figure something out to hit the goal? Or how did you guys decide what the new goal was? Well, yeah, what I, what I basically did is I said, I took seven months of downloads this year the, and I took the average download number and then I increased it by like 15 to 20%. So I said, like, I still want to see growth. I don't want to you know, do what we're going to hit if we don't do anything new or different. I want to increase that a little bit. What was your plan or marketing to actually make sure you hit the growth? We're actually, we're still working on that. Like we just reset this goal last week. So that's kind of the next thing on the table is like, okay, what are we going to do differently? What are we going to add to this? But some of the easiest answers to that is more episodes. We've been wanting to add a more like bonus Wednesday shows and we do a Monday show and then it's like, okay, what about, and those can go long, you know, those can be like an hour. It's like, what about that Wednesday episode, 10, 15 minutes? And it's like, if we have this really strong listener base, you know, you, you double the downloads because they're listening to twice as many episodes. Hmm. It's an interesting thing. Cause like, yeah, you, you could do more episodes. I guess it's also, you want to have high quality. I guess the other challenge is, is, yeah. is, you know, in terms of prioritizing how not, you know, could you also spend more time promoting the show? Like, could you get yes. twice the amount of people listening to it on a regular yes. basis? I think starting to get guests, because like, believe it or not, I would say 90% of my episodes are, there's no guest experts. And so when we've started to bring a few on, we've noticed obviously that they want to promote the show as well. And it brings in new listeners, which is really nice. So like, I think it's a combination of that that we're putting together. So since we've done that, we've, I think we've booked like 12 or 13 guest experts for the podcast in the next month, which I'm really excited about. So yeah, but that revisiting that goal was, I think it was just really important and kind of just reset the like inspiration, the like excitement for hitting it. 
That's interesting. Yeah, because you want to do something you can actually, you know, exactly. someone, my friend David said this, and I thought it was such a good way of putting it. You want to play a game that you actually can win. Yes. And he said that to me because I feel, you know, I feel like at our company at times you're like doing this stuff and it feels like you're doing things, but things aren't moving forward. And you're like, well, fuck, man, like, what's the point? Yeah. Frick, man. Sorry. And so you actually <laughs> need to set yourself up that you're like, if you're hitting singles, eventually you're like, well, the scores, you know, going up. You want to feel like you can you know, play a game, you can win. Some of the things, just to give you suggestions, if you don't mind, on marketing the podcast. Oh, some, de- definitely. So if you actually go to your site, it's not really pushing anyone to the podcast because there's a lot of different things there. Yeah. So maybe it is, you know, there's a bunch of links on the top. The top bar is good. But like, is everything around getting people to the podcast? Not really on the on the main site. Like we have a separate website just for the podcast. It's been interesting because this really started as like a side passion project. And as it's picked up, it's more like you know, moving it more to the forefront of what I'm doing. Cause as, as you know, like I'm known for, you know, like video and, and marketing stuff. And some of the things that we talk about have absolutely <laughs> nothing to do with, with marketing. It has to do with like being a human being, like it's just different stuff. And so, you know, it's funny, like I think, and I've talked about this on episodes, like the resistance I've had, because like, a lot of my audience is they've traditionally been very technical. They're like, okay, I want to know the latest camera gear and like, how do I do this and all that. And like, I'm coming out with some episodes that have like, what the heck are you talking about? Like we had a feng shui expert come in. This is why I want to talk about that magic art of tidying. Yes, I love full Um, circle. But we had a feng shui expert come in, like feng shui the entire office. And then I was like, get on the podcast. We're going to do a whole episode about it. And like, (laughs) there's a review and I love it because it's like, it's so true. There's a review on the episode. and It's like one of the like worst reviews that we have. It's like, I don't see how moving stuff around in my office is going to make me money. And it's like, it's so, it's so true. And I totally get you, but those are, you know, things that we investigate and go down this like crazy rabbit hole. You know, some people love it. Some people don't. Yeah. Well, I was going to say what's really interesting. My friend Brian from Backlinko said to me, cause you know, he, he's been writing about SEO, I think like five years now. He's one of the top SEO blogs. And I was like, man, don't you get bored writing about SEO? How the hell do you do this for five years? Cause you know, as we talked about earlier on, it's like some success is just sticking with it. If you can just stick with it five years, 20 years, you will be success, whatever you measure it as. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, yeah, I'm super interested in other things. So the two things he does, which, you know, maybe you're not doing, but what he did was like, well, I have personal stuff, but that just doesn't go on my business. That's just like a separate thing. Maybe I'll have another blog, but I don't mix the two. And I thought that was really fascinating. Number one. And the second thing is he likes SEO. So he's like, well, there's other types of SEO. There's YouTube SEO. Mm-hmm. And so trying to find new ways to expand, like to use his expertise that his audience would find relevant. And I actually kind of liked how he approached it that way versus trying to mix everything in one. Yeah. Well, I think it's, I think that is so important for this, you know, staying power. And I think it comes back to what you're saying about making it a game. If it's a game, we know we can win, but it's going to be challenging for us. Like, I think we'll ultimately find a way to make it fun. No, I, I hear on that. The other thing I would say, so yeah, on your main training site, which it seems like, I don't know if you want to not, if you want to keep it separate, but the other thing that we do, which I find really helpful is we do just experiments every week. So we created this thing called a proactive dashboard. I don't know if you've heard of it or you, I heard you talking about this and I absolutely like we do this unofficially, but I absolutely love this. Please share. Yeah, man. So we have it. I just started implementing it into Sumo. Let me just bring up the podcast one so that you can just give you specifics. So the podcast, when we have a page on a Google sheet, it's really, really simple. It's just every week, what are things that are controllable that each person on the team can do? So there's five people that work on the podcast. There's me, a writer, Ash, David, Brandon, and Dean. And 
every week they each have tasks that are controllable. So Ash has to write one article. David has to do, and this is what I was going to suggest to you, he has to do two tests each week to improve the email opt-ins. Mm, so two tests. It. And I don't ask him which test he's going to do. I don't even know. And I think that's actually the really powerful part because I know if I get more emails, I can push more people to the subscriber to the podcast. The second thing he does every week, David, besides organizing a bunch of stuff, which he's amazing on, is he also does podcast marketing tests. So what things can he change on the about page, on the bonus page, on the top link, like removing the player on the like we test removing the player on the articles. So instead of just giving a player, it's like you have to go subscribe. And so he has to do two tests a week. And I again, I don't even know, but he, he'll say what he does. But I don't tell him which ones to do. And I think as we talked about leadership, having crystal clear goals, giving them accountability and then leaving them the hell alone equals success. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I'd love yeah. for you to talk more about this proactive dashboard and kind of just yeah. take a bigger scope on it. Because this was on one of your most recent episodes on your show, which again, we'll link up in the show notes as Noah Kagan oh. presents. And you really, this was under the context of, what was it like scaling to a million I believe it was like scaling past a million, scaling past a million. That's right. And this was like one of just three things that you've seen has, has made a big impact. What is a proactive dashboard? Yeah. So ultimately it's just most dashboards and metrics we look at are after the fact, how many listeners did I get? But what are the inputs you can control to get more listeners? So as I said, there's a few of those like marketing tests, podcast tests, Brandon has to post a certain amount of videos. And then Dean, I'll just give you the exact ones. Cause I think they're all interesting. Dean is our outbound expert. And so Dean has five things. He has to spend a certain amount of money each week on Facebook ads. He has to do a certain amount of guest posts, a certain amount of Instagram, a certain amount of Quora, a certain amount of podcast helping with me to get interviews. And then what we'll do is that we'll change this, meaning that so each week they have a certain target. So Dean has to do two Instagram posts. But it used to be four. And it was like he was doing four a week and it was like not we weren't seeing any results. So it's like, well, what's the point? And then we started testing on Pinterest. And after about a month, it was like, nothing's, we're not getting anything from that. So let's kill it. So I think the thing with the proactive dashboard, it doesn't mean you just do these at, you know, infinity. You just keep doing them stupidly and blindly. You have to adjust them. So for example, this week, I'm seeing LinkedIn as actually a promising channel for me, more so than Twitter. So I, I'm saying, Dean, I want you to work on, I want to post one thing on LinkedIn this week. And ultimately, I don't even know what he's going to choose. He'll run it by me, I'll edit it, improve it, and I'll post it. But he's the guy in charge. Yeah. And I think this knowing that everyone knows the goal is the 100,000 downloads an episode. And, you know, and I have to be re you have to be repetitive. Like some I, I like the book Mastering the Rockefeller Habits. If they need to be annoyed by what the message is, like you want to annoy them that they know it's 100,000, that you want to get this message out and they should be very clear on that. Yeah. And so it makes it they can actually be their own CEOs because I think you've noticed this. The more and more people are hiring, everyone wants to be their own boss these days. Yeah. Like everyone's like, I'm going to go be nomadic or I don't, I'm going to work here in six months because I don't like the purpose here. Right. And you really have to make people their own boss, like pay them well, give them a lot of flexibility to do what they want and then clear goals about where the hell they need to go. Totally. But I love this because this is just like ones and zeros. Like they either did it or they didn't. Fully. And then what I do is every Monday, we just did it yesterday. I did it Tuesday, excuse me. It was at 9 a.m. with David today. We go over this and we just color it. So, and dude, you don't want to have red color. And yeah. I actually, this is going to sound stupid. I thought Dave built a formula so that like each week if they hit their thing, it would automatically change colors. It's like conditional formatting. No, the dude goes in and manually changes the color. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> so have you ever heard of a piece of software? It's a project management software called The Pulse. No. Um, so we absolutely love this. We jumped on it about two years ago. And, you know, the short version of it is that you basically can design your own projects on there instead of kind of being at the mercy or the whim to whatever the project 
management tool says like, this is the best way to run a project. You just, you start with a much more of a blank canvas, almost like a more fancy Excel document, but it does exactly that. Everything is color coded. Like you can have the red or the green if they did it or didn't. And like, as soon as I heard you talking about this proactive dashboard, like that's the first thing I'm going to be implementing for next week. Cause we're doing that unofficially, you know, we're, we're doing that. It's just not, we just, I think the way you're doing it is, is you're making a game out of it. Like this becomes this, this scoreboard and it's not just for each individual member, but I'm sure that it's very intentional that everyone's, you know, metrics for the week is all on, in one place. So you're not just looking at what they did, but they're looking at what the rest of them did. Yeah, because you want to see your color. You want to see yep. that you're green all the time. Yes. And everything here they can control. So if you want to be guest posting on other blogs, I can't force someone to let me guest post. I can't force Tim or I can't make anyone do this. But I can email a certain amount of people a week. Mm-hmm. That's controllable. And so you have, it's the things that you can win on. And then you have to be able to adjust them like, hey, this isn't making a difference. So I'm going to stop doing it or, hey, wow, this is actually I'm seeing results from it. Now I'm going to increase your number for the next week. Yes. So not only have these actionable things that it it just comes down to, did you do the work or not? But having some sort of feedback loop in place to know if they're actually working. Yeah. So as we're doing it for like, that's a podcast, but for like a software company, it's the same format. I'm just bringing this into the same thing because ultimately, like I'm looking at, is this helping me get to the goal? So for our marketing, I want to get double the amount of customers. So each team, the affiliate team, the content team, the advertising team, the webinar team, each has proactive metrics. So webinar team, how many partners did they email to do? Did they email to set up webinars? How many internal webinars do they do? And they can control that. Same with advertising. How much did they spend? What's their CPA? How many experiments did they run? Anyways, I can do more examples. The point is like, and, and this will change. It'll probably will adjust yeah. it over time, but have a game that they can win. Yeah. It's fascinating though, because the outcome is still the same. You know, that goal oh, yeah. is still the same. I love that. Well, speaking of like the intrapreneur, the, you know, and building the team, do you feel like you've had to change a lot since being an employee at, you know, such places as, as Facebook and now running a few businesses? Like, how has your outlook changed? Like your behavior, your habits, your mindset? Oh, dude, it is. <laughs> it's been a whirlwind roller coaster. It's been wild. It's been wild trying to run your like to run your own company. And what's interesting is that this is one of the more recent ones is that you hire people and it's small. Let's say you're a team of three or a team of five or a team of ten. Yeah. And it gets bigger. And they're like, I miss the good old days. <laughs> and I'm like, well, did you try to join a losing company? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, really good point. If you think about it, someone said this to me, they're like, you never join a company hoping it gets smaller. Yeah. It's like, I used to complain a lot about how Austin's growing so much. Oh, there's all these buildings. And someone said to me, I mean, would you rather have people leaving the city and nothing being built? You know, I, I think things are, I think the reality in business is that things are going to evolve and you have to figure out how do you evolve with it. And then that, you know, I have to have come with a positive attitude on it. It's easy. I think what's been struggle for me this year with leadership, as I've tried to hire like basically like presidents of Sumo and AppSumo to run those independently, you can't, be, I call it the pigeon theory. I don't know if you heard me talk about this. No. I, this is what I see some people do as an employee and everyone's an employee. I still get a paycheck from a company. Yeah. <laughs> I happen to be, you know, help create it with a bunch of people, but I'm still, you know, technically employed here. And the pigeon theory, and this is, applies to everyone, is people who come in shit, and fly away. <laughs> and I just, you know, I, my friend called me out on it. He's like, dude, you're kind of a pigeon. And, you know, it, it's been a really great reminder. And I love that he called me out on it, which was like, be a part of the solution. So, so if things aren't going well, are you just sitting on the side? So either sit in the sidelines and shut up 
or get in the game and help them win. Yeah. I think, you know, that's partially why I can't, not even partially, that's why I'm back in the office helping work at Sumo because it's like there's some things now that need help with and I'm excited to go do it and it's actually been more fun than I thought it would be. So the pigeon theory then is, I mean, do you feel like employee, like that refers to like employees in general or? Oh, yeah. There's, I mean, there's, I hear around the office and I do love everyone at our company, but there are people who are like, oh, this sucks about our business and that sucks. I'm like, well, what are you doing about it? Mm, yeah. What are you doing? Like, yeah, it's your company too. You work here as well. And so I think it's just kind of a good mindset that people working in businesses, it's very easy to criticize and it's much harder to create a solution, but that's the thing that actually going to make things better. And so just trying to encourage people to think in that manner. I think it's also important to foster that type of culture where they know that they can have some sort of say in that solution. Whereas like any job I had growing up, like, you know, and you hear so many of these examples of like, you know, oh, I have an idea or like we should, I think we have a better way of doing this. And it's like, yeah, shut up, go away, kid. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, one thing I'd say I'm fascinated with lately is that, you know, clear goal, accountability, and then giving people flexibility, you know, giving them oxygen. If you've hired really great people, they want that. They yeah. want to go explore. And what I'm noticing like Chris, who's running our content marketing now for Sumo, I'm like, dude, you have to get a half a million visitors by the end of the year. I really don't care what you do. Like, I'm going to check with you on a weekly basis. I'm going to do whatever you need as a coach. I'm going to support you. I'll give you feedback. But I don't really care what you do. And this guy comes up with crazy shit. Yeah. He would not be coming up with that. And I'll give you an example. But he would not be coming up with that if you're trying to lead him and be like, do this and do that and do this. I'm like, it's like, well, why hire someone if it's going to be that way? Did you find and, that hard originally? Like you being able to let go that much responsibility on, on something? I love delegating. Yeah. Delegating is like my favorite. But I think the caveat I would give to most people running companies is that I think before you delegate, I think we delegate sometimes, we delegate to miracles. <laughs> and what I mean by delegating to a miracle is you delegate hoping they can magically fix a problem that you need to solve yourself. Yeah. You just throw money at something or... Yeah, you're like, oh, we'll hire this marketing person and they'll just solve our crappy product. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think you have to have some understanding of things before you delegate. So, you know, I've been doing content marketing. I've put together plans. I've executed on them. So I had some understanding before I just brought on Chris and said, good luck with it. But this guy, you know, you give him the clear goal, let him run with it. You know, we're trying to work with someone to, to do a promotion. And Chris found out the guy went to a certain college and he made like a custom jersey from that guy's college with his name on it and send a handwritten note. Wow. And like then I think he overnighted it. And the next day the guy responded like, all right, cool, let's talk. <laughs> That's amazing. We yeah, know. it was crazy. I was like, this guy does not like he wanted to promote an article to Intercom and he sent the tacos to their office. Said, yes. hey, I just want to talk to you guys about promoting this article. Here's some tacos and like a bunch of other things he did. And I think if I was just telling him what to do all day long, I would never be as creative as he is. Wow. And well, so the more that you let people own what they're doing, really own, truly own with clear goals that they can go and go crazy on it. Well, I think you said something too that really stuck out to me is that, you know, you gave them this longer leash or maybe really no leash at all, just the directive, but you also said I'm there to coach you. And that's a really fascinating dynamic that you've created that I absolutely love. So they feel like they can come to you for almost like, you know, consulting within the role and responsibilities. Yeah. I guess what I've been kind of fascinated with lately, James, is that I like hiring people that I can learn from hmm. just in any capacity. I don't care if it's like basic stuff or complicated stuff. Like how can I learn from you and what is something you could teach me? So, you know, Dean is helping with ads. So like he came up with a strategy around targeting cheap countries to get more engagement in the ads. Once the engagement comes, we turn off those countries and go to expensive countries <laughs> That's great. and the ads might be cheaper. 
And I'm like, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Or he's experimenting with video ads and just a bunch of different things. I um, love that. But you're still and, like, there's something where it's like, you're still there, like as the, you know, captain of the ship that like knows how to rein that in. Right. Or like knows how to still make that relevant to the goal or the outcome. Well, I th- you know, it's funny. I was thinking about this recently where, you know, I worked at Mint and they did really well. And some of these other companies have done well that I've been a part of. And I think we all have some type of genius. And I know you talk about this in your show and it's like, well, what's your, where should you be spending your time? What's your flow state or whatever people want to label it as. And my actually, like, I love promoting. I think that's probably what I'm greatest at. I'd say second thing is that I'm really great at recognizing amazing people like weirdos <laughs> and then almost doing whatever it takes to just be around them. Yeah. I think that's has to be like one of your top essential skills that I don't know if you're born with or you have to develop it, but I've seen that in myself that I've had the ability to see where people's potential is and how they can flourish, even if they didn't see it themselves. And I think we need that at some level. Well, Chris is a crazy story. I'm so excited about him. He ran a snow cone business. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, he ran a snow cone business. He's from Australia. He lives in China. And his, him and his mom run a snow cone company in Australia. And I just saw a blog post he put out. And I was just like, yo, let's work together. And we did a test project on another blog post. And then I was like, what will it take for you to come to Austin and work with me? So wait, you we, connected solely off the blog post? Yeah, one blog post. How did you find the blog post? He posted a blog post about how HubSpot does their marketing. And I read it. And I think the bigger takeaway for people out there is, you know, how actively are you recruiting talent? Yeah. Like how actively are you looking for the best and making an effort to connect with it? Even if you're not, and I'm actually trying to get even better than that, where not, even if you don't want to like work with them transactionally right now, that's the harder one. But that's where you're going to connect with people that you're like, dude, I got to work with this girl or guy somehow in the future. Yeah. And being proactive around that. And that's where it came to with Chris. And now he's running the team and I have very high confidence he's going to hit his goal this year. That's so awesome. So Magic Art of Tidying Up. Yeah. I haven't forgotten that. Let me tell you why I hate that book. Yes. Okay. My wife, my fiance at the time, read that book right before we were both like moving out of our individual, you know, like my bachelor pad to move into one place. She basically threw out everything that I own, like everything. She's like, no, I read this book. We got to start fresh. And she tossed it all. And I was like, so in this enamored, like, always happy, always positive state. I was like, whatever you say, honey, I support you. And so much stuff like that was because I didn't read the book, you know, so I'm going to admit I've never read the book. She just told me all about it. So much stuff that I was like either an essential for me, like, well, we have two brooms. Let's throw out the broom. But then like both brooms got thrown out or like memento stuff, like things that had meaning to me end up going in the trash. So I, it's actually more, you know, comical. I, I'm a huge fan of actually decluttering your life, but there is a, a little like overkill that went down with my wife. So yeah, that's my stance on it. You know, I think there's many right ways to eat a Reese's peanut butter cup, which are my favorite. (laughs) And you could be a hoarder and be a, have a happy life and you could have, you know, a toothbrush and nothing else and have a great life. So it's hard to say when people are like, oh, it's got to be minimal. I think what people need to do, and I only, you know, go experience it for yourself, see how it goes and then test it. And if it's something you like, do it. If you don't like, then don't. I just found that like I kind of apply the minimal. I hate when people say, you ever talk to someone who's like, I'm a minimalist. Yeah. And then you see their apartment and you're like, do you have a bunch of crap? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, you're not a minimalist, man. You're just calling it a minimalist. 
so, you know, for me, I think it, what I like about it though, is I think I apply that kind of mentality, like just focus on the things that are really great in all aspects of life. So mm-hmm. which friends do you really enjoy hanging out with and ignore everyone else? And you could test adding new ones in, but then cut them out and add new ones in. Same yeah. with business, like 80, 20 approval. Everyone knows it, but no one does it. It's like, well, what in your business really makes a difference? Just do that. Ignore the other pieces. Same with marketing, like just do our content. That's what's really great. The other things we're going to tone down. And I think like doing it in your home is kind of a good practice to apply it to other parts of your life. So what, like for me, I literally have a pile in the corner of my room today. It's like, well, what hats have I not worn? Pile. What towels am I not using? Pile. And you set it free. You feel lighter. And then the things you have around you, you're like, ah, it's just the good stuff. Yeah. For me that, you know, basically anything I haven't used in six months, I give away and let someone else enjoy it. And if I really need it, buy it again. It's not even having to be that rich or expensive. But it just like everything I have around, I really, I like, and it doesn't make me feel as like heavy. It's like a a diet for your life. Yeah, no, totally. And I am like, I'm such a fan that I find that the more, whether it's mental or physical stuff that we declutter ourselves with, like the more you really are creating space for whatever you want next, you know? Yeah, dude, like I have an assistant and I used to be so embarrassed about having an assistant. Oh, I'm like, cause I'm not, it's not even that expensive. It's 20 bucks an hour. But like now all the things I don't have to think about, like dealing with an iPod, planning, helping me plan trips, finding like a shade company, organizing where to go eat. Like I don't have to think about that so I can focus on the things I want to think of. Or yes. and if I just don't, if I want to think about like, I was going to say something dirty, but like so, whatever, <laughs> you can think about whatever you want to think about. And I don't have to think about the things that don't matter. And this person gets paid, you know, a good wage to think about it. And she's excited to do that. Are there any other cool things other than an assistant that you do to like not have to put mental energy on something? You know, so I will tell you the first six months this year, I experimented with like everything. Hmm. I was like, I'm going to wake up at 5 a.m. I'm going to try all these different things. I'm going to life hack it like crazy. I'm going to take cold showers and, (laughs) you know, all the, all the general, like, you know, new age productivity hacks. And I went to Israel. This is interesting for me. I went to Israel for a month to work from Israel. And when you don't have your routines and you have literally a blank slate, it's really fascinating what you incorporate or what you reincorporate to your blank slate Hmm. and what actually makes a difference. And, you know, for me, I have to say like the assistant is huge. The second thing I just say overall, there's probably two other things major, but number one is defaults, just default everything. So like this is, these are all the defaults. I just, if I go to a restaurant, I always eat outside. If there's a dessert for creme brulee, I just always get it. (laughs) Like just try to have more defaults in life. So you just don't have to think about bullshit stuff. Yeah. We were talking before we press record. And I think one of the things that you just kept saying is, having this disposition of, eh, it's all going to work out. And (laughs) well, yeah, just like against all this productivity hacking, it's like someone was telling me, Oh, you got to get this fitness equipment. I'm like, dude, you don't even have a good body. You don't need more fitness equipment. Just figure out your diet and get your ass off the couch and talk about new equipment. Yeah. The, The other thing I think people need, instead of like learning like cold showers, which is fine. And I still do the, that stuff once in a while. The thing I'd say number three, that's most important is actually like, look at where you spend the majority of your time. This is very simple. Where do you spend the majority of time? Make a pie chart. It's probably on your bed. It's probably on your computer. And then make sure you know how to, you have like the best tools and the best knowledge about using those tools. And then everything is a kind of a funnel that will be subsequent from that. So do you have a great bed? Probably not. And then do you understand how to use your technology, like your computer, your typing speed, the basic software you're using, like Slack or Google Docs or whatever that is? And if you could just master that 80% of that, then everything else is kind of details. Yeah. Well, I'm a big fan of keeping it simple. Yeah, we all know it, but it gets complicated. And I think part of it with all of this, like this is only what works for me, is experiment with all this stuff 
and see how it goes. Cause I'm, you know, what, what it is for me is I used to have my calendar, like Wednesdays, I didn't do any work. It was my thinking day. And I went to Israel and I was like, you know, what if I have some work I want to do on a Wednesday, you know, and your priorities change. So now it's like Monday through Thursday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday are like hardcore, just sumo Thursday. I'll just do meetings. So I'm scheduled this with you, but now I'm expanding with this calendar, which is like Monday through Wednesday, hardcore sumo Thursday. I have a calendar meeting thing where if I have any chats, interviews, meetings, whatever, it's Thursday and Friday is my personal day. And it's just like, I'll do that for three months and maybe I'll find out that Thursdays that doesn't work or mornings doesn't work. And so you kind of just have to kind of keep iterating around your team. Now, is uh, personal, curious, is personal day for you? Is that no work or is that what you're working on personal no, projects? No, that's podcast videos. Got it. Okay. So you're... It's podca- podcast. You're, are you doing, you're doing five days a week? Like, yeah. A, a, like eight hours-ish? I don't really know the hours. Today I got up at eight and I'll end at eight. And then sometimes, I think what people should try to figure out is how do you just do something that you're excited to wake up for? Yeah. And if, you, if you're not, then put something in your day that you're excited about. So every week on Sunday, I write out my weekly to-dos, like on my personal, my work, and my working out, and then I put it in my calendar. And it was interesting today, actually. I was like, this is funny you asked, James. Today, in my personal, about what I was looking forward to on a fun thing, I was like, I don't have shit this week. Mm-hmm. I don't have anything. So I was like, oh, I'm going to go bowling with my girlfriend. And that kind of routine helped me force that. Is there something that you're like really passionate or excited about that's fun for you outside of work? A few things. One thing I actually think this is, I don't know if it's counterintuitive, but I would encourage everyone is I started learning a new language. Oh. Yeah. What language? My family, what's that? What language? Hebrew. Oh, awesome. Like one of the least used languages in the world. Yeah. <laughs> I might as well learn like that Esperanto or something. <laughs> is that, uh, has that been pretty, was, pretty challenging though? Oh, yeah. It's also hard to stay motivated sometimes, you know, because there's, no, you know, not many people around that speak it. It's not super businessy or useful in that sense. But I will say it's really fun. And why is because, you know, me and you are now 20s or in your 30s or 40s. And as you get out of school, you kind of forget that you miss parts of school. Like it's fun to see progress. It's fun to get stickers. It's fun to learn something new. And a language is like probably one of the hardest things you can do. Because as we progress as humans, we generally just become more specialized. So like I do content marketing. I am a developer for Python. And you don't really necessarily go to brand new things. So having to start completely from scratch and learn something new and learn how to learn has just been useful in all aspects of my life. And I like the routine of having that on a weekly basis. So I have a teacher on italki.com. It's like this really affordable marketplace for uh, learning languages. So you're just doing, you're, you actually have like a one-on-one teacher that you're learning Hebrew with virtually. Yeah. That is Every awesome. week. I've been doing it for a year. I just picked up new musical instrument that I'm learning right now, the ukulele. Did you? Yeah. Well, Okay, go on. I'm like three weeks in. I'm loving it because it's like the same thing. Like you are, you're learning how to learn again. And then kind of like I find myself more fascinated with like, okay, is this the most effective way I should be learning or practicing? But what's so awesome is like I dove into YouTube and there's like unbelievable tutorials and training and I'm like picking it up so fast. Han, so are you learning just from YouTube? Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. I'm loving it too. It's like really fun because because the, the ukulele is, is is only four strings, so it's way easier than the guitar, which I've like dabbled in the guitar and just like that can kick my butt at times. And ook, I, I just like picked it right up. So you know, I don't think people realize how much they can learn for free on YouTube. I know, I know, it's all out there, and like really good tutorials. Like there's this one woman I'm following, and she'll give you the whole sheet music. So like, and then she just walks you through every single note 
in like she's there and I'm, this is amazing that is cool yeah, yeah there's so much to, I, you know it's funny you said this it's gonna sound sad i bought a ukulele to learn it like two months ago and i just haven't gotten the motivation have to you do it. really well it no. is it's literally on my coffee table and i'm just kind of i look at it and i'm just like one thing at a time i don't yeah. know maybe that's my excuse yeah well i'll give you some some videos like on some getting started but also man there's one guy who is so good on this thing like he's turned it into an he's got all these videos on youtube like he's turned it into a music machine where he's like beatboxing with it he's like slapping it he's using chopsticks to like make these like twangy sounds on it is like unbelievable so people like there's a it's like a whole cult following with you know ukulele players so it's well maybe next time we'll have a jam sesh there we go <laughs> how, so how, what motivates you to keep going with it oh okay here's my answer my wife is an amazing singer and she grew up very, very musically inclined. I mean, not so much. And like my goal is to play a song perfectly that she can sing to. That's my goal. And how's that coming? <laughs> she, she's like, she's not even at the phase where she's ready to practice with me yet. So, you know, it's very funny. It's like I'm realizing that there are two phases. Like phase one is just get good enough to even finish a song and then we can start practicing. But that's, I don't know what that is. That's just something I'm like really excited to do. It's very weird, but I just feel like if we were like making music together, it'd be something I've never done. So that is interesting because it sounds like you have to have some goal or something to motivate you to keep you going when the days are like, ah, I don't really feel like it, but you know that you have your wife that you want to perform with. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know if you learn all that through years of business where you just kind of like, you have to learn about all those things like goals and, you know, setting those games. But it just came like really easy. Like as soon as I heard her like the type of songs that she loved and loved to sing to, I was like, that would be amazing. That would be so amazing if I could just play halfway decently for her. And uh, I think the interesting question that I'm reflecting on and it's kind of wild is like, when do you give up? You know, there's Seth Godin's book, The Dip. But and I read the book looking for like there's an answer. It's like, well, if the answer is five, then you give up. Uh, <laughs> there's a quiz for it right yeah exactly but there's things we did as a kid like coloring books that i don't color anymore i don't play video games anymore i could try and like it but you know you learn new things and you get interested in new things and so i think there's this kind of uh interesting struggle i don't have the wisdom yet to know the answer but yeah. about what things do you say like all right well it's challenging but i want to keep going with it like right now i'm into mountain biking uh, really but like i used to do disc golf i was crazy into disc golf no now I'm like these are like these are awesome things i just did uh i just mountain biked in right outside Durango, Colorado for like the first time, like ever just going up to a mountain on a chairlift and going down. That was like the funnest thing I've ever done. Dude, that's epic. I almost killed myself like four times. And I was like, that was so fun. You know, like holding the brakes the whole time, but that was so fun. And then the, you're talking about like the Frisbee golf, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you have like the whole bag with like eight different Frisbees in there? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh no, 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 no. I have all that. And you know, I took <laughs> lessons from a coach and all this stuff, but then, and even chess, like I did it and, I'll do it and it's fun, but I'm kind of like, I'm mm, just burnt. Yeah. Just burnt. And I, I don't know the answer. It's like, well, should I just stick with it even though I don't like it? No, I would say no. I would say, no. well, okay. So here's, I talk about this all the time, but I, I grew up in a beach town. I went to school in a beach town, like the ocean's right there. I'm looking at it right now and I never surfed. And, uh, it's the short bird. I know it's very weird. Like, it's just like something you take for granted your whole life. Right. But I, you know, grew up left and then finally came back to live here in my hometown. And I kind of made that decision. Like if I'm going to live here with this huge, you know, pool in the back, in your backyard called the Pacific ocean, I'm going to learn how to surf. And it, and it took some time. There's a very steep learning curve with, 
surfing, especially if you're trying to do self-taught. But now I, I do it every day. And it is my hands down my favorite thing to do in terms of that's like, interesting because because for me it's like it checks off all these boxes like there's the sitting out in the water where you're just like it's kind of that peaceful meditative like get your mind off things it's athletic right so you can like it's a workout when you're out there and then it's also really fun and really challenging like there are times I'm out there and you know there's a wave coming you're like I don't I don't think I could t- I think that's too big I don't know if I can do this and you know so you're constantly pushing yourself but. And that's something I've just like, I'm doing that every day and I love it. So I don't know. I don't know what they're I think the answer is everyone needs to figure out their own games and figure out the explore for themselves and see what works and what not works. Yeah. And that's the point. You're staying curious and you're, you know, questioning or testing everything. And I love that. So well, I think part of it too is kind of, I was talking to my friend who's just deba- debating, debating whether to change <laughs> jobs or not. And it's a very hard question. Uh, yes. Do you change jobs? Like you have, a, you know, the short answer is like inertia is a very challenging thing. It's so much easier to do nothing. Hmm. It's much easier to stay where you live. It's much easier to stay what you're doing. And I think, you know, Jeff Bezos, as we talked about earlier, I'm sure you've heard of it or hopefully it's that he has a thing called regret minimization framework. You spoke about and, this. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And so that's why I, I mentioned it. The way to simple way to think about it is look to your future and then what would you want to regret the least? Yep. And then go do the things that you're like, man, I would really regret if I didn't do this more than that. And, you know, kind of makes it easier to think about where you want to be in the future. You know, like for you, hey, I, you know, I live in a surf town in a year. I'd love to just see if I can, I'd regret if I never learned to surf and you you go for it. Totally. I love that, man. So you talk about that on your podcast, Noah Kagan presents. I listened to right before we hopped on. What episode is that? Is it number five? The next Uh Elon Musk, John Arrow. Oh, Yeah. Dude, I was just like blown away. Who is this guy? This is like unbelievable. So I highly recommend that episode. Is there another episode or two you'd recommend my listeners like checking out to just like jump in and see what your show is all about? Yeah, if they want an appetizer, the episode about what you know, how to scale beyond a million is only 12 minutes. I actually hired an NPR producer, which I made an episode out of from Planet Money to coach me. And so now I'm trying to target around 20 minutes an episode for my, you know, the kind of dishes I want to serve at your restaurant. You have an hour dishes yeah, and uh, I'd teach their own. But I'd say the scale beyond a million is really interesting. John Arrow is just crazy. Like the, the ideas he's, that he says about the future of business, I've never thought of. I know. And then everyone really liked Tynan. That was my most popular episode. I think second now, but one of my most popular episodes. And Tynan is just this great weirdo. I love him. He's one of my close friends. He was in the book, The Game. And, you know, he, he's one of the pickup artists. Yeah, he was, he's herbal. And like, we bought a place together in Budapest that I just went to and he loves tea. And he just, he just bought it like a Bentley, a 1980s Bentley. And this guy does all this crazy stuff. And so we, we talk about some of those things and you can check him out at tynan.com as well. He's a great writer as well. Yeah. I'm trying to find, oh, there it is. It's uh, it's episode 12, how to create an interesting life with Tynan. That's awesome. it's long, but it, I don't know, it's just fun stories that we got to explore together. And I don't know, for you, for me, the podcast, I think almost everyone should start a podcast. It's like the greatest way to meet anyone you want. Uh, you know, that's so true. That's so true. Now, we met we met years ago, but it was very briefly, and now we get to connect more because thanks to podcasting. Podcast, dude. Yeah, I love it. Noah, man, this has been amazing. I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule, especially because it's not your personal day. It's not Friday. So, uh, yes. And then, or normally chats I'll do Thursdays is when my, I'll do my chat day. Yeah. Got it. But dude, thank you for having me and we'll catch up in a future. if not a person about how things have been going. Of course. Is there any, um, final thoughts or anything you'd like to say in order to call this episode complete? 
Ooh. You know, I when I hear myself talk or when I listen to these episodes, because I'll go listen to them afterwards, I, I think what people misconstrue is that, like, these are just what works for me. Mm. And these are the stories and experiences that I've had that have helped create the life that I'm enjoying. And I think for everyone, they've just kind of got to define their own rules. I like, go it. figure out what the hell you want like your game to look like and then play that way and try things out. Go learn how to do ukulele and surfing and mountain biking and then figure out what things actually make your life better. Keep those and the ones that don't, let them go. I love it. Ladies and gentlemen, Noah Kagan, thank you so much. For 10 years now, I've made my living selling digital courses, membership subscriptions, and group coaching. I've been able to make millions of dollars. Yet even better, I've been able to help thousands upon thousands of students with my training. Yet I've never taught my system on how to actually get started. How to choose the right niche, the right product, the right tools, and the right plan. Until now. The information marketing industry is booming now more than ever. And if you've been sitting on the sidelines waiting to get in, well, now is your time. For the next eight weeks, I'm going to be delivering a brand new training course live showing exactly how to get started and get profitable, even if you have no list, no product, or no idea. And the best part is it's 100% free. All you have to do is request an invite to my private Facebook group. Every week, I'll broadcast a live, in-depth training with homework, action items, and of course, Q&A. So to request access to my private group now and join the training absolutely free, simply visit www.jameswedmore.com forward slash free. That's www.jameswedmore.com forward slash free. And I'll see you there.